Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, stress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. What I offer to the world is this like physical, emotional, energetic like almost reset, right? Like we're just starting over. We're just relearning how we want to show up for our bodies. We're, you know, relearning how we want to take care of our emotional needs. Or maybe like for me, I'm like, I'm going to start taking care of my emotional needs. And then I'm going to embrace who I am as an energetic level, because it's easy to communicate to that, those subtle frequencies that we're living with and then shift them into a way that's like, I just want to feel better. Like, that's it. Like, that was the whole purpose of everything I did was like, I just want to feel better. Like, I'm tired of waking up in the middle of the night. I'm tired of biting my nails. I'm tired of ruminating on my thoughts. So what do I need to do to feel better? And and these are like the core pillars that have made me feel better. And I don't think we talk about them enough. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. This week, I am chatting with Kim Tasker, otherwise known as the Somatic Dietitian, And I am so, so excited to share this one. So we actually connected through To Be Magnetic, which I've mentioned a few times on the podcast. It's a program that's really based around the concept of manifestation, but ultimately what it comes down to is it's about understanding the limiting subconscious beliefs that you have and how when you can kind of rewire them to be more empowering beliefs that help you to stand in your self-worth. You can start magnetizing and attracting and manifesting the things in your life that you truly want on an authentic level. It's an amazing program. Could talk about how much I love it (laughs) forever. And Kim and I actually connected because I was looking for an expander, which is basically something that is in the program, which basically is somebody who helps you see to believe what is possible for you. So you look for expanders on specific things that you're looking to manifest. And I know I've talked a ton about body image issues that I've had. And I found Kim in the community group because she helps people with this. And we got to talking and I am so excited to share this conversation with you because the way she helps people is just so amazing. Her and I have so many synchronicities and just amazing things that I'm so excited to have this connection and continue to, to chat with her about all of these topics. So we get into tons of things in this episode we talk about. So basically, just to kind of backtrack, she is an intuitive eating body image and mindset coach, and she helps women to release judgment and shame around their body and food. And she uses so many amazing methods. So she blends all of these different modalities to help her clients to stop losing themselves in diet culture and start to ground into their body and really experience life to the fullest. So we talk about how to break free of body image issues and diet culture, what body acceptance really looks like, how intuitive eating works, fostering a connection between your body, your mind, and your emotions. We get into the gene keys, which are really cool, and they how they can help to empower you to overcome your limiting beliefs. 
We also talk about inner child work, which is a big part of the work and to be magnetic. And, you know, we kind of get into it in the episode, but just to give a little more color, it's kind of based on the understanding that a lot of those subconscious beliefs that are limiting us, that are keeping us from living the life that we desire have really been embedded when we were kids, lots of times before the age of seven. And it's things that we you know, absorbed from our families, from our teachers, from media, you know, you name it. And, you know, our child brain created a story around it and we're carrying it around still. So kind of understanding how some of those stories that if we really take a look at them, we know that they don't make sense, but we don't take the time to look at them very often. So that's really what that inner child work entails. So we get into so many amazing things in this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, and I would love to kick it off with you walking us through what it is that you do and what brought you to doing it. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I just want to say I'm so grateful of kind of how the universe tied us together, Um, and I'm so excited to be here. So I kind of like to think of like, it's funny when you think about your story, like, how did I get here? How did this all start? Um, But I really think I started with just not liking how I felt, like not liking how I felt with my body um, and mainly with my emotions. Like I, I was really tied into how I was feeling emotionally. And I didn't realize that like at the time, I didn't realize that it was paired with how I thought I looked, but I mainly was just focused like, I don't like how I'm feeling (laughs) like severe anxiety biting my nails all the time, ruminating thoughts, not wanting to go to hang out at parties, not wanting to respond to text messages, just extreme anxiety. And I had done like years of therapy at that time. And I was like just graduating with my degree in nutrition and dietetics and getting my internship and all that. And I started to kind of see myself in this trap of like happiness is a destination or happiness happens when you weigh a certain amount or, you know, look a certain way, get the success, whatever it is, you know, and it's such a common trap that I started to realize like this journey (laughs) or searching for this destination is making me feel like crap. Like I don't like how I feel. And so I started to just kind of get curious on like, I want to cultivate how I want to feel right now. And so I just started to kind of question like, what if I could love and accept myself right now? Like, what if I could just, you know, embrace who I was and really treat myself as in like, I want to feel this way. And that's the most important thing for me and anything else doesn't matter. And because your externals change all the, like my externals were changing all the time. Like I was, you know, I was going to college, then I wasn't, then I was in in internship, then I was changing jobs. I was bartending. Like my life was externally, it was changing all the time. And so it kind of was just like, a a journey of, you know, releasing diet culture, releasing shame, lots of shame. Like I really had to release a lot of shame and really embracing loving myself unconditionally. And, you know, at times, like looking back, I'm like, that was a lot of fun. Like that got me like to a lot of places. And I see the journey, you know, hindsight's always 2020, but, um, it was definitely really trying at times. Um, But I love that I'm like, I love connecting the dots now and seeing how I'm like, that journey definitely has brought me to where I am today, which is like definitely the path of unconditional love 
and you know I know we'll get into it but the gene keys and human design like seeing all of it as it played out and like I mean I had to go through all of that I had to learn all of that for myself because my main focus is like definitely food and body image but I really do it in like an out of the box way because I really bring in I bring in the gene keys which I've yet to find someone else doing the same thing and I really bring in like inner child healing which we connected through to be magnetic so we you know can relate to that but um it's so important in really understanding that like we don't have to obsess about weight and size and when you do that i've at least in my journey and what i've seen with my clients we get lost in the destination the seeking of the destination or thinking that life's just going to be this quick vacation and then we lose ourselves in the process. So that's kind of been kind of how I've evolved, how I've started to really find myself is through that journey of unlearning what I thought or who I thought I was and really embracing um, who I am now. Kind of a kind of a long winded thing, but yeah. Oh, I love that. And I've talked a bunch on the show. You know, I've struggled with body image for a long time and I feel like you know, it's kind of like we flip, like, I know with me, like I'll kind of flip flop. It'll be like, I just want to be happy with where I am now and accept it. And then it just feels like everything outside of us, the media, the, like everything is telling us a different story. So it's like, as much as we are trying to change the story for ourselves, which again, like you said, the inner child stuff, like things are just so ingrained, you know, for me, like I watched my mom beat herself up like crazy too. I'm sure that's probably a lot of people, what their story is like witnessing it when we were kids and just like assuming that that's like the, the perspective that everybody has. So is that kind of what you find for most people when they start working with you or even what you found for yourself, like sort of what were the main obstacles and like roadblocks to figuring it out and kind of how do you help people work through that? So I think like, it's definitely true. Like I've had clients where they're like, oh, oh, I don't think, you know, I'm not really dieting right now. I think it's fine. My body image is fine. But then once we start kind of, I think of it as like an onion for sure, because there's so many layers, like first, maybe we're not aware of it. And then once we get into it, we realize like, maybe what I thought I was doing, which was what our moms were doing um, or dad, like whoever, anyone that we were raised by, um, maybe what they were doing, they didn't know any better, you know, especially because it's like, it's not just parents, it's also grandparents. Like when I think about it, it's like my grandparents, they were the first generation who my grandma started to work out because she cared about what she looked like in a bathing suit. Like before that was like, they were just, you know, farming or doing things with their bodies that they, it would do, wasn't like they had to work out. So it's like, that's when it started to be like, we're working out because we care about how our body looks and it has to look like this specific model. Um, And it all goes back to just, you know, at least I'm glad that I had the same journey because it all goes back to like almost a sudden it's like, I I'm visioning a horse with the blinders on, you know, and like, we see it all over. We see it on Instagram. We do it to ourselves with our clothes. We see it on the models, you know, and fashion runway, like it's everywhere. And I think bringing awareness to it to know that like our society, our culture doesn't know any better. And we didn't know any better. And our parents didn't know any better, whoever raised us and taking the guilt and the blame and the shame out of that. Like just knowing like, this is just how we were conditioned and everyone was conditioned that way. And 
putting more emphasis on how you feel. And that's always what I guide my clients back to. Like, even if, you know, especially like I focus a lot on intuitive eating and a lot of times I've had people come to me like, how are you, how are you going to let me just eat whatever I want? And, you know, tell me that it's fine, you know, and like, they're going through the honeymoon phase. And I had to go through the same phase where I'm like, and I'm just eating all these Cheez-Its. Like, what am I doing? You know, like, how is this healthy? You know, but it's like, we have to get through the mind to be like, it's okay. And you're not always going to want the Cheez-Its. Like eventually your body will kick in and you'll, you'll realize like, okay, this, this is not, this does not make me feel good, you know? And I mainly just keep reminding, like, there's always the truth to everything. So it's like, let's say if something was like one of my clients came to me and was like, like, okay, I'm trying to think of like a legit thing. Like, I can't have, I can't have this bagel for breakfast. And I would just ask them back, like, why, why can't you have the bagel for breakfast? And it's always bringing that curiosity to it. Like, why can you not? And then understanding that the reason you're telling yourself you can't have that is because somewhere someone down the line told you that carbs were bad and they're going to make you fat and you can't have that and then it's just asking yourself is that true like is it true because most of the time when you start to wonder like is that true it's like no it's not true you know and then that empowers you like are you deciding that you want to have the bagel because that's what you want right now or are you like i know if i have all these carbs with no protein I'm not going to last. I won't make it to lunch. And then that's what empowers you to make a different decision. And that's truly what intuitive eating is. But you have to face the truth. You have to go through the fears, allow yourself to eat the food, and then empower yourself to make the decisions that really, truly honor your health, because that's really what you want. Exactly. So when it comes to just, I guess, before we move into the food part, because obviously that's a huge part of it. So on the body image part, it's kind of about just understanding that that's just like the perception that we've all been fed. And just because that's the other thing I think about too, is like, if you look at, you know, museum art museums from years ago, like bigger bodies were what was considered more attractive. So it really is all just like what we're being fed right now. So it's kind of just like starting to unravel that that is like the truth. And instead, it's just a perspective that we've been told essentially. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, it's going into really understanding why, you know, down to, down to the basis of it. Why do I feel that I'm not lovable, worthy, accepted at, at, if I don't look like this, if I don't weigh that number. And most of the time that has been a conditioning that has happened to you. And it could, it might not be your parents. It might not be who raised you. Typically it's society, right? And it could be even your parents. Like maybe someone had said to you at one point in time, like, oh my gosh, you're, you are becoming a woman. You're 13. You've got hips now, you have boobs. Like what? Whoa. And it was like as simple as that, where you're like, oh my God, I don't know what's happening to my body. Like I, now I have to wear this bra and I have, you know, like I started my period, like all this stuff happened. And you're like, you're confused you know, as a 13 year old who is, you know, so emotional and the person who you thought gave you, gave you all this, you know, safety is now also acknowledging something that you're like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on here. You know? So then it's like, I don't like this. 
people make comments about my body now I'm trying to hide it. And it's, so it's really just trying to understand like what exactly happened. And that's why I love to be magnetic because you can get down into it, but you know, and the inner child piece is why I was like, we can't leave her out. You know, I mostly work with women, but you know, men have this issue too. It doesn't matter what your gender is. We all have these body image issues. Um, but I really like to bring in the inner child because that's where the conditioning started with our body image. So, um, it's really getting back to like asking yourself in a non-judgment, no shame. Why do I not feel worthy and accepted right now? or at this size or whatever, and then allowing you to become the parent that you needed in that moment and reprogram it to feel accepted at that time. And it's a, it's like, I I had this latest um, thing reminder (laughs) this coming week where I'm like, it's a, it's a fragment of both and always. So like, you're always going to have both things being true. Like you can be working on your body image and still not be glad that you don't like to wear shorts or, you know, you can love and accept yourself and still hate to wear bodycon dresses, right? Like all that can be true. And it doesn't have to mean that you hate your body now. Like I'm working on loving my body and I'm accepting that. Like me, I'm like, never will I ever wear bodycon dresses. Like I hate them. They're not for me. They're not my body type, you know? And it's just understanding that like, I'm never going to wear them, you know? And that's okay. But that doesn't mean that I'm like, that doesn't mean I don't wish I could, you know? It just means that like, yeah, I mean, I don't have the body type for bodycon dresses. But when I see another like woman or, you know, like someone wearing them where I'm like, damn, you are rocking that bodycon dress. Instead of being like, shaming myself and feeling pissed about myself that's where like the loving and empowerment comes from where like you can go up and say to that person like damn you are rocking that bodycon dress and I am here for it you know and that's where it all kind of comes from instead of comparing yourself to that person and then judging yourself because your body type is just not the bodycon dress (laughs) like you can wear something else you know does that answer it does. And I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, we can't expect the world to change. The world's not going to change. It's like, we just have to like start shifting our perspective around these things and come to more of a place of acceptance and appreciation for the fact that we are all different. We're all beautiful in different ways. We're not all meant to look the same way. And yes, I love that you kind of said, like, it doesn't mean that we're not going to sometimes wish we could be the girl in the bodycon dress, but it doesn't mean that we hate ourselves because we're not essentially. Or even, I know for me, I always like, I think I have a lot of (laughs) self-confidence in like every area, basically, except that area that I'm like really working on. And I think that can be kind of hard too. when we're like, oh, we're so confident in every other place. But like, why is this the one place that like, I just can't get it together. But I think it is that, I mean, it's probably partially perfection, like wanting to check all the boxes kind of thing. But I think, yeah, like the, probably the final frontier is obviously understanding all of the inner child stuff and all of that is huge. And then also just understanding that the media is just continually going to perpetuate something that is not beneficial for anybody's mental health <laughs> or body image or anything like that. And just understanding that that is something that we can't wait for that to change, to change 
our perspective. Yeah, totally. And as you were talking, the first thing I heard is like this quote, um, as within, so without. Have you heard that quote? And so it's like, as you change the things inside, your external will change. So like, yes, we will never going to change the media and the media, like, honestly, it's fear-based for sure. So I just am like, I almost like to recognize it. And then I like to play it as a game where I'm like, oh my God, like there it is again, you know, just as like an acknowledgement because your mind does the same thing. Like your mind also at times can be fear-based and will just say something. So it's like, just acknowledge it. Like, oh, there it is again. And then like, kind of like watch how you feel or how you respond to it. And that's my biggest thing that I like to gauge. Like, that's why I always anchor into like how you feel because you can always track that. And especially like when my clients, like, I'm like, okay, we're done with the scale. We're not tracking weight. We're not tracking food. <laughs> like all these things that we maybe have been like, they've been our pacifier for a long time. And now it's like, oh my God, here's this lady. She's telling me like, eat whatever you want. Don't get on the scale. We're not caring about all this stuff and love yourself the whole time, you know? So I'm always like, we're going to track your response to these things. Like even your response at like, are you setting a boundary? Did you mute, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know. I can't, the only thing coming to mind is like Weight Watchers, but like, did you mute Weight Watchers on your Instagram? Did you unfollow them? Did you make a boundary when someone made a comment about your, you know, body weight or clothes or whatever? And like, how did that make you feel? Like, did you, do you feel proud? Do you feel, you know, like, how can we support you in that way? And then that's the best way that you can always track your feelings and you can see your progress that way, you know, cause I'm like, I know we all want to see progress. I, of course I want to see progress. Like we're just kind of conditioned to like, are, are we growing? Are we changing? Are we evolving? But you can still track things when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. And then I think kind of what you were getting into before, which is actually a realization that I have come to recently, because I mean, obviously I'm a health coach. I help people make healthier decisions. Eating healthy is really important to me. And, but it has always been also wrapped up in the weight thing. And it just, I feel like for most of us, they're just so intertwined. Like we can't even imagine a world where they exist separately. And I kind of was like, I'm officially done relating food to the way I look, Hmm. period. (laughs) Like I eat the way I eat because I want to feel a certain way. And because I take pride in taking care of myself and I want to have energy and blah, blah, blah. Or even the way I look would be more like I want glowy skin, or I want to feel useful, like more that kind of thing. But like, I don't want to feel bloated. So yes, that relates to something physical, but it's not like I want the scale to go down like a pound. So I'm not going to eat whatever today kind of thing. Like, I just need to completely separate those things. And actually, it's already felt so much better. Again, it's not like you say it and it changes in a second. But like, I am really being intentional about it. And it's feeling really good. And I imagine that's kind of like what your first step was sort of thing is just untangling the concept of everything having like a consequence when you eat it, like as far as your weight goes. So if you can kind of, I know I took us back to body image, but now we can go back into the food thing. Cause I'm sure a lot of people, you know, intuitive eating sounds really great, but it's like, how would you ever do that? And I know I talk to people that lots of times, unfortunately, which I think is probably in this like clearing out period that that you have kind of mentioned is so many foods that we eat hijack our normal 
systems in terms of understanding when we're full or we're hungry, you know, we're eating all these artificial ingredients that tell our brain to eat more, even though we're full and all those crazy things. So it can be really hard to be in touch with that. So you can kind of walk us through what that usually looks like in the beginning. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing too, is like knowing that there's a whole, there's a whole culture, you know, and I call like, it's called diet culture, but there's a whole system out there that benefits on you feeling fearful of food. Right. So, um, knowing that like, and, and I always like to think like if there, and this can go back to the same thing with media, cause it uses media to, to cause fear, to make you, you know, buy a supplement to make you buy a, you know, fad diet to make you go on this insane, um, restrictive, obsessive diet where you're like buying something. Right. And so I always like to think of like, okay, what is this article, like ad, whatever, making me feel? And like, if it's making me feel fearful about the food I'm eating, is it true? Like always just going back to yourself. Is it true? You know, and even running, like if you know human design, like run it against your authority because your soul doesn't care about the media, you know? So when you run it against yourself, like that's why I always love getting into like how food makes you feel because your body, your soul, like none of that lies to you. Um, But going into like how to start with intuitive eating, I think it's really understanding like the components of your macronutrients, you know, like understanding you need carbs, like carbs are not bad. You need carbohydrates. And if you're worried at the time that like, you know, maybe you're going to start eating food that have a lot of air in it, like popcorn or chips or things that have like, like you can eat a lot of them. They make you feel really full at first and then they go away quickly. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm hungry again (laughs) because there was nothing. It was like a lot of air. So it fills up your stomach. And so I think of like, even if you want to have, like, if you've told yourself for years, you cannot have chips because they're bad for you, but you're like, I got to work through it. I got to kind of get through the mindset piece, like start to pair it. Like you can still make like a homemade Greek yogurt chip dip, you know, and you can still make an option. That's like, you can have chips and dip and it doesn't have to be like, you know, the processed chips and dip or whatever. Um, You can have these foods where you can make them where you, you know, trust the ingredients a little bit more and you're still honoring the mind game of like, okay, I'm, I'm working through the mind and still pairing it with protein to help satiate you longer. So you're not just going to mash a whole bag of chips, you know? And with me, like with my clients, I, I, they are allowed, like I give them access to message me through Voxer because it, when, and if it does happen that you do mash an entire bag of chips, like we remove the shame in that because any single time that you have an opportunity that you maybe have overate some something and now you're feeling bloated and now you are going into the body image shame, like trace it back. When you go back to be like, oh my God, I came home from work and I grabbed the bag of chips because I, you know, didn't have dinner ready or whatever happened. I, whatever the case may be. And you just find like, I went four five, six hours without eating like, okay. So then it's like, maybe, maybe you bring a granola bar with you, keep it in your purse, keep it in your car, whatever. So that when you're walking home from work, driving, you can have a granola bar so that you can, you know, instead of bottoming out 
And like we, our brain goes into primal brain. Like our brain does not care of that. We, we know there's McDonald's on every corner. We can get whatever we want. Like our brain's just like, Hey, I'm hungry. I need food. We get carbs. That's it. And so I think it's like, if you, if you can take anything that you've done in life, like binging, whatever food related, take it as a lesson. Like we're experimenting here. You're learning, relearning how to honor your primal needs from a place that's no longer conditioned and then take everything as like, how can I better show up for myself in the future? And that's how I've like, that's kind of just looking at everything with no judgment. Yeah. And I imagine probably a lot of it, like when it comes to the, you mentioned like getting into your body kind of thing, a lot of people are living, I mean, me included lots of the time. So in our minds Mm -hmm. that we feel like we've like really lost that connection. And probably kind of what starts to happen is you have to like your mind is like well I'm never allowed to eat chips so I want to eat them all the time therefore but we kind of end up realizing that we only really want the chips when we've or want them too many times kind of thing because we've told ourselves that we can't have them and after a, a bit of time where we kind of adjust to like technically I can have whatever I want and I'm really just going off of what's going to make me feel good the desire for those things kind of goes away or it's only here and like here and there because it doesn't make us feel good but we have to get past that point of where our mind is still playing all those tricks on us and and really tell ourselves that like everything is safe I imagine like that's probably a big part of like the mind adjustment so that you can start actually listening to your body because it's probably in the beginning hard for people to even tune into their bodies oh for sure that's why I think you know that's when I started to realize like well, for so in my personal journey, I went through intuitive eating, you know, because even being a dietitian and literally studying the body and how nutrition works and food for years, and then, you know, taking it into clinicals and doing hospitals with it, like I was still conditioned, you know, I was still conditioned. So I had to go through the whole thing myself. And I found that I was like, even if I knew what was going on in my body, like we also have emotional sensations that come up as well. And if you, Uh, are not comfortable sitting with that like you you're in the mind like I don't like this this is weird what's this feeling when's it gonna stop how can I get out of it how can I stop it you know and that's why we go to food because we're like okay well this is like an actual action and there's something going on in my body I don't know how to handle it so I'm just gonna try to soothe it with food and so that's why I really was like once I went through inner child healing and I you know I did it for years um and I'm still doing it, like still in TBM, still doing it. Uh, and I realize I'm like, we have to allow your inner child to feel safe so that you can like sit down around her, you know? And that's when it's like, okay, how can I respond to any emotional sensation that comes up? Maybe it's, you know, your emotional authority that like, then it's your soul talking to you. Now it's your body signals. Like we are so multifaceted. We have many different things coming at us all the time, communicating to us and our body is responding. And so it's really understanding that like you need a widespread of tools in your toolbox so that you know, like if I'm hungry, great. I know that I put a granola bar in my purse, I'm good. Or I can stop here and grab a juice, like whatever. And then you have your ways that you handle with your emotions and you have ways that you soothe your soul. Like it's all different tools that, that we kind of go through in our life and what we learn with what works with us. 
And I really like intuitive eating and that's what I like. I will preach it. I hope till I die, but like, because it's really honoring like many different seasons of your life and learning all the different tools. And the most important thing is that you always come back to you like always. And I think, you know, things are kind of changing. We're, we're kind of questioning, like, is this true for us? What is health? How does this work? And I think running in, like, you can empower yourself with what feels good and, if you truly believe it and it feels right to you, like, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, totally. So when we kind of talk about emotions, because emotional eating is obviously a huge thing. And as you mentioned, that can kind of be connected to inner child stuff. I guess maybe obviously you and I super well-versed in inner child terminology, all of those things. But for someone who is like, what are they talking about right now? I have no idea kind of how would you maybe ground us in like an example of kind of like an inner child emotional type way that people could support themselves and then they could try to relate it to something that's happened with them before. Yeah. So um, I'll speak from my experience. So I used to, I was a bartender for years. I worked in food service for a long time. Um, And I would like, I was just getting what I call is triggered, but if you don't know, it feels like you don't, you're ruminating on something that someone said. So for me, it was like, why did the guy say he was so pissed that a steak got like overcooked and like, I can't get over it. I can't get over it, you know? And I don't like the way that he made me feel like I just, you have that moment where you're like, something is off, like something is off in my body. And I, you can almost feel like this ramping of your nervous system. So it almost feels like you're hot and flushy. Maybe you're hot and cold at the same time. Maybe your palms are sweating, your back is sweating. And you just feel like, for me, it always feels like I can feel my, um, like my shoulder blades are always like, I'm always squeezing, you know, and like a, a kind of a sense of like, I'm always like hugging a pillow with my arms, but I have no pillow. And so I would find that I would come home from work on those nights and, I would have already like, yeah, I ate dinner at the restaurant or whatever. And I'm home and I either one gravitated towards alcohol and that can be still like, you're still consuming something or it was like ice cream. It was either ice cream usually for me or chips, chips and dip was like the go-to. And it was like, I, I knew I wasn't hungry because I ate at the restaurant and I just wasn't, but I just had this feeling and I needed to like I was ruminating and I I was almost like judging myself. Like, why do I care that that guy yelled at me about his steak? Like who cares? But I couldn't get over it. And so in order for me to get over it, you know, at the, what I thought at the time was like, I'm just going to distract myself by eating. And so it's really understanding that like, you know, this takes time. And I think the biggest thing is like, if you, if I just said that to you and you know that you're like, oh yeah, that, that's happened. Like, I'm so happy that even that, statement has brought awareness to you. And like, you know, just even knowing that, like, that's the first step, which is huge, huge. And then just starting to realize, like, just, I like to call like, just pause. Like, instead of me grabbing the ice cream or the chips, just pause and just acknowledge like, okay, that guy pissed me off. That guy pissed me off. And then wondering, like, I always like to do box breathing. Like that's one of my tools that I go to. So I always do box breathing, which is four breaths in, hold for four, uh, like a count of four, and then out for four 
and then you hold it out for pour. So you're thinking you're like creating a box. And I take a couple of those until I kind of start to feel like maybe my shoulders have loosened. It's For me, it usually takes three like boxes and I can feel it shift a little bit. And then I just ask myself, like, what do you need? What do you need? And it could be as simple, like you don't even have to really recognize your inner child yet. Like if you're still trying to connect with her, just asking, what do you need? Like your body will tell you, like, maybe you need to like go scream in your pillow. Like maybe you need to like, maybe your like significant other or partner will let you be the one. Like maybe you just need to be like, I just need you to act like that guy. I'm just going to yell at you that I'm so mad and like, let it out, you know? And if like, if you do something and it still doesn't feel better and you realize that you're like, you know what? I didn't really eat because I was really pissed and I do want ice cream. I'm always like, honor your needs, whatever they are, honor your needs. So if you're saying like, if your body's telling you, no, I'm really hungry and I do want ice cream, then you honor it. But taking that moment to pause, to make sure allows you to feel empowered with that decision so that you don't feel like shameful or you don't judge yourself after that. Makes total sense. I mean, we constantly are like numbing and comforting and soothing and doing all of those things without even like considering where it's coming from or what it even is or like, yeah, walking around. Like I always think of a trigger kind of being like having an outsized response to what happened. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like you're making it a bigger deal than like somebody watching it would have felt like when you like just cannot let it go and it just feels like such a bigger deal than it should. And yeah, I think that's such a good like understanding of ways that we can kind of start to check in with those things. And I know like you call yourself the somatic dietitian and we've talked about like getting into the body. Are there kind of any other ways that like really feeling into your body or checking in with your body tips that you have, like ways for people that are kind of like, I just feel like, you know, I've heard of somatics. I have no idea how to check in with myself. I'm all in my head. I know for me, that's, you know, I struggle with that too. Kind of, if you could explain a little bit of how that stuff works within. Yeah. So, um, just to kind of share like somatic to me is like the mind body connection. Right. So I lately I've been like, I went on this long journey of like realizing like, I hate the mind. The mind is like, I need to overcome the mind. Like, you know, just upset with the mind. Cause I'm like, I've been living with the mind and it's sabotaging me. And like, ah, first off, like the mind is I read this quote actually out of one of Richard Rudd's books. Um, and he was saying how the mind is a beautiful instrument. Like, and if you have like this beautiful violin and you can learn how to play the violin, like you're not mad that you have this violin. You're actually like, this is a beautiful instrument. We have just been conditioned to not know how to play the beautiful instrument of our mind. And so for me, like getting started with one, I think, um, I think the biggest thing, I guess I'll just go back is like the decision that you're, you are going to decide how you feel. Right. And like, while it may at first feel really intense, like checking in periodically, like, so the one thing it could even be like with your emotions, right. Um, especially like Nicole, you have an emotional authority. So like when, when you or anyone, like if somebody got, um, if you were getting an emotional trigger where we can go back to the guy with the steak, he made that comment. I'm just going to ride it. Like if I ride the wave and like making a conscious decision that you are checking in with yourself often enough. And it could be as simple as like, 
I used to keep a person, like literally a prescription on my phone of things I was doing because I wasn't sleeping good. That was my first indicator that I'm like, something's going on with my body. My body's trying to get my attention. And that's how it was trying to get my attention was my nervous system was so activated that I literally wasn't sleeping through the night. I was waking up at 2 a.m. And so for me, checking in with my body started with how am I not am I waking up in the middle of the night? Like, is my body communicating to me that way? Because that was the first thing that happened for me. And so I just kept kept track of how am I regulating my sleep? So I got really clear on like, am I turning my phone off at night? Am I not being on my phone an hour before? Am I sleep like drinking some, you know, valerian root tea before bed? Did I, did I do 20 minutes of exercise? Did I go outside? Like, what did I do? So even the thing of like going even to your emotions, like if it's something that you're feeling these emotional waves, then you just ride it and you keep checking in like, okay, eight o'clock, Frank pissed me off. 10 o'clock, still pissed, not as bad. <laughs> 12 o'clock, you know, and like just checking in. And I like to think like, we are with ourselves more than anybody ever in the whole world. And, but we're the first persons to like shut down or neglect or not listen to. So keeping like a prescription or like a thing to check into or as simple as the notes on your phone, that's just you calling your best friend often. Like that's how I think about it. And it could be like, for me, I had to get my sleep figured out first before I could hear hunger and fullness signals because my, my nervous system was activated that there's no way my gut was going to communicate to me because it literally felt like we were getting chased by a bear all the time. So that was how it was for me. It could, it's different for everybody, but I like to use that as like track it and, and be like intentional about it. And it's okay. Like you're going to forget, you know, that's fine. But I made it fun. Like I was like, I, I gave myself gold stars. Like when I slept through the night, I was like gold star emoji, like, yes, you know, so make it fun and then kind of start to see it for yourself, like how this works out for yourself. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of checking in with your friend because it's true. Like we sometimes it's like our brain will answer. Well, it shouldn't even be our brain, our body, us, we will answer a question. If we're asked the question, if we're just going through life without actually asking or checking in with how we're doing, we're not really bringing any attention to it or noticing it. And sometimes you notice like when someone asks you how you're doing, it's like, all of a sudden you start crying or all of a sudden, you know, it's because you've kind of like bottled it all up and someone's actually asking you and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't, hadn't even actually thought about the way that I was feeling or let myself feel it. So having kind of those checks points in the day of just being like, how do I actually feel right now? And kind of like forcing yourself to like have an understanding of that, I'm yeah. sure is, yeah, definitely very yeah. helpful. It is. And the other thing that's been really helpful with overcoming the mind, um, I'm just going to segue us into my favorite topic, which is the gene keys, mm-hmm. <laughs> has been really helpful. So um, just to kind of let you guys know like what the gene keys are. So human design, um, if you're looking at your body graph, you'll have the, the glyphs with the numbers, right? And those are your gates. And all of the gates correspond to a gene key. And this founder, Richard Rudd is his name, um, you know, Make created this system. He studied human design for a long time and then created this system because he realized that human design was almost incomplete. 
And what's really cool about the gene keys is that they give you uh, different shadow or different frequencies in which we may be showing up to the world. So there's the shadow frequency and then the gift. And then the the highest frequency is called city, um, which is almost like the, the most enlightened state you can be. And what I like to use this for is because we do have a lot of fears and we have this, you know, terminology that our mind uses. It's in our genes. And we cannot like when you're used to living with that terminology, like you can't, you're like, I don't know, this is just normal. This is just how my brain talks to me. Like, this is it. But when I started to study the gene keys and like using it in my coaching, it's how we, our DNA communicates our fears to us. And it gives you the terminology to like respond back to it without judgment. Right. So it's like, you see yourself in the shadow and like, so for example, for me, so I, I kind of just focus on our incarnation cross or your activation sequence in the gene keys. Um, and so mine, my life's work is 46. Um, and so the shadows of that is seriousness, which then brings you to delight and then brings you to ecstasy. And it's like all talking about body, which is, you know, really on brand, but for me, I'm like, (laughs) when I was looking up your human design and you have gate 46, which is that gate of like a love of being in your body and embodiment and all that stuff. I literally like started crying. (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. I was just like, Oh, I'm going to pull her stuff together. And I was like, I can't believe how prevalent this is in her chart. And it literally is like your purpose is exactly what you're doing, which is just yeah. Insane. And I know sure I it well before you knew what human design was. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. W- yeah. When I came, like when somebody actually told me what my incarnation cross was, they had like, you know, the book of incarnate, whatever that book is. I can't think of it. And they were like, oh my God, they slammed the book and they're like, you're the somatic dietitian. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, I don't know this, my whole journey. Like, I don't know, but I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's very on brand. But once I started to kind of dive through the shadows of my incarnation cross, I started to realize that like the seriousness of my shadow was like keeping me fearful of my body. So it's like, I don't even want to like, I don't even want to like my body. Like I'm scared of my body. I don't know how to embrace my body. I don't want to like own my curves or, you know, own different clothes. Like I'd always wear baggy clothes. I'd always, you know, I just would be hiding it and I'd be cold and like repressive to myself. Like I would repress my own like sensuousness of just being alive, just being present in my body. And then seeing like, you know, seeing how it would go into my evolution sphere where I would be like projecting my lack of acceptance of myself onto other people, you know, which is like hard when you're doing intuitive eating, like you don't have to, you know, it's like, no, you can, this is the, I honestly feel this is the best way that you can be healthy is by honoring your needs, you know, and that's because I've fully accepted myself. Like I'm in the gift of my evolution and, and then seeing like my purpose was like, I was self-obsessing on this story of like, I can't be this way. I can't own my naturalness. I can't be in my acceptance because I felt like I could never be like sexy or confident. And yeah, I mean, it is crazy. And I was like being this busy body, busy body and like not allowing myself to truly embody the feminine energy, you know, of just like receiving your own love of just being still being a human being, you know, cause I was like, I was conditioned to be a human doing, like I was just doing, 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 doing. Um, and so getting into those, the shadow states of that really helped me kind of see like, are you being cold? Are you being cold to yourself? You know? And like, if you are, how can you be more delightful? 
you know, and that's kind of where the question started to come is like, if I could love and accept myself right now, what would I do? It's like, well, I'd probably like eat this apple, you know, or go for a walk Mm -hmm. or punch a pillow, you know, like whatever, whatever I would need to do, you know, and it's so it's really cool. So I was actually looking at yours. If I'm excited (laughs) and scared. (laughs) But so in in one of our like um, conversations, we kind of were just talking about just like comparison Mm -hmm. and like getting caught up. And I think that's like a really common thing of being like, you know, we, we all get caught up in this comparison trap. Um, and I, you know, and I think it's like one of the things even that you had said on this podcast was like, you were like, um, you're, you're feel confident in every other aspect of your life. And I wonder if this one, you're just like sitting, this is just the thing you're sitting in the shadow with. Okay. So yours, just your sun gate, right? So in thinking of your sun gate, right. It's like, the sun is big in the sky. It wants to be expressed. So this is the energy that's like, it's going to be expressed whether or not you want to, you even realize it. Right. So it's like, if you're conscious or not, you're showing up like this. So it's like, we might as well be conscious of it and we might as well show up in the gift if we can, you know? Okay. So yours is, um, the shadow of doubt to the gate. I know the first one, the first time I learned it, I was like, are you kidding me? What is, what is this? The gate of town. But it's crazy. So then have you read these before? Have so you read I don't this? know the gene keys. I know the, like the human the, design yeah. element of it. And for me, the way I've kind of experienced it is obviously the higher expression is doubting the things kind of like around us to come to more like clarity and evolution and a different like form of consciousness. But then the negative way of experiencing it is doubting yourself, which I have been the queen of doing that yeah. forever. It's it's that oxymoron of like, I think I can do anything, but then I'm doubting myself in the next breath. You know what I mean? It's a very yeah. um, cognitive dissonance type thing that I've always Yeah. Heard. Yeah. And I think I'm like, that's how they all are. Right. It's like, I can be, I can be like fun and showing up in other things, but then I'm like, why are you so serious and ruminating over here? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, it shows up. It's really like sneaky you know, cause this is like, this is how our mind just kept us safe. But so, um, he has where, you know, similar. So the shadow of doubt to the gift of inquiry to the city of truth, which I honestly, I'm like, when I looked at your chart and like was looking at your hologenetic profile of the gene keys, I just have to say <laughs> your first, your spleen is lit up like a Christmas tree. So I'm like, you are so intuitive. And I just feel that like, you being doing human design with the right angle cross of consciousness and even this this gene key of 63 of doubt which sounds like I mean you're living it so you're like oh this sucks you know (laughs) but I think it's like it's so cool because you are going to like you're helping people find the truth you're finding your own truth you're like getting back to your soul's truth and then you're going to help people find their truth and um we can kind of go deeper into it too, but your, your pearl sphere is 55, which is all about like, you know, in human design, this whole, we're in the great change right now going to, you know, 2027, which is good. We're going to evolve quicker and be more accepting, but your pearl is 55, which is all about the great change and going from the shadow of victim to being like truly free. And like the pearl is like, like that is how you're, you prosperous in this world, which is so cool. Yeah. Because I know in human design, 
that it's kind of like the highs and lows, like it's embracing the emotional highs and lows kind of thing, which is something that I've struggled with because I've been someone who kind of, I don't really tap into my emotions. So that's been something that I've been really working on. So really interesting that that's kind of, when you look at it from a gene key perspective, how like key that gate is, because it's something that I've definitely been trying to tap into more. But I, it's so interesting, like with human design and the gene keys too, it's like when you explain people's charts to them and you talk about their different gifts, it's never like, oh, that just doesn't resonate with me at all. It's either, oh, I'm totally doing that or, oh, I'm so in the shadow side of that thing. Like it, It's like it hits a nerve, whichever way it kind of is. And probably lots of times it is kind of that cognitive dissonance of I'm sort of in the high expression and sort of in the low expression and like teeter-tottering. Yeah. But- I love like that you're, I mean, it's similar to kind of what I'm doing now, but how you're working that knowledge of how people operate into the way that you can support them, which is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all like connecting back because even, okay, I just want to read you this. So yeah, tell me. Yeah. He has the, (laughs) he has the shadow thing of, um, okay. So you have a repressive and a reactive shadow. So, you know, and this is just like, are you repressing it down or are you reacting out of shadow? But one of them, the repressing is self-doubt and then the reactive is suspicion. And as soon as I opened it, I opened the book and I just read like, this isn't the first line, but um, I just read this. Self-doubt is based upon comparison and does us no harm as as long as we simply observe it as a mental conditioning pattern, which is like just that in and of itself, like that one line is like, because it's like, this is, this is just in your genes. Like you are like a part of, to evolve, you have to like overcome this. And so even knowing like, there I'm doing it again, you know, and like allowing, allowing it to fall back, like take your mind, your mind's going to do it. And then now just know, like, how can you, I wonder what he's saying. Like, cause he says like, you have to question it, which I love because I'm like, that's literally on brand. Like, I'm just like, is this true? You know, so like, just start getting curious about like, if you can start to question, like really own that question mark inside of you, because that's literally like, that's the gift of your sun gate Mm -hmm. is to help yourself like question, is this true? And then help other people like, is this true? Like, you know, because we're all conditioned in some way, of course, by many different avenues to know. But when you see this comparison coming up, asking yourself, is it true that I have to look like that? And then, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love the questions thing. And it's so funny too, because I do find that that is something that like journaling, like kind of asking myself questions and journaling them out or find like giving people prompts. Like I do find that like, questions are what pulls things out of either the people that I'm helping or me trying to like help myself. But it is wild that the comparison thing is just like right there. And that's just like the way that my brain operates. The other, the thing I actually, because I'm like, I can't not look at everybody around me and like immediately be comparing is my new thing is I look at them and I say something great about them. Mm. That's like not not in a comparison, like, I wish I had that kind of thing, something that's like interesting or different than I'm noticing. I can't be like, she's skinny. (laughs) Like It has to be something like, I really love that top or her hair's really cool or whatever. And it's not about how I compare to them. It's more just like, 
noticing what's great about everybody around me and what makes them like different and special. And I'm just like part of that too. Yeah. I love that. You're already naturally doing it. You're embracing the gift by like, you're seeing, you're seeing the comparison come in, right? Where you're like, normally I would compare here and you're just observing it as a mental pattern and you're shifting it into the gift naturally, which is so good. Like that is amazing. Yeah. This is why I'm like, I, I couldn't leave it out. You know, like I felt like I really feel that like what I offer to the world is this like physical, emotional, energetic, like almost reset, right? Like we're just starting over. We're just relearning how we want to show up for our bodies. We're, you know, relearning how we want to take care of our emotional needs. Or maybe like for me, I'm like, I'm going to start taking care of my emotional needs. And then I'm going to embrace who I am as an energetic level, because it's easy to communicate to that, those subtle frequencies that we're living with and then shift them into a way that's like, I just want to feel better. Like, that's it. Like, that was the whole purpose of everything I did was like, I just want to feel better. Like, I'm tired of waking up in the middle of the night. I'm tired of biting my nails. I'm tired of ruminating on my thoughts. So what do I need to do to feel better? And and these are like the core pillars that have made me feel better. And I don't think we talk about them enough. So totally, totally agree. And I think for a lot of people, like I definitely have gotten more into the spiritual space in the last like year or so. And I, I just think, and it's, definitely part of my chart and stuff too, that the spirituality helps me ground in the earthly reality of like, when you have this more energetic, bigger perspective, it is easier to pull yourself out of what the media is saying and what diet culture is saying and all of that stuff. It just gives you this like higher perspective that everything just makes more sense. And it's easier to snap yourself out of it as opposed to when we're just like, you know, living in the the quote unquote, like 3d kind of experience that, I mean, most of us spend a lot of our time in, and that's kind of where we really get caught in that, that trap of like what we're being told we should be. Yeah. I think it takes us out of the victim state, right? Like, it's like, it's easy to be like, Oh, like I have to just do the grind and whatever, you know, but it's like, if we could take it as like, how can you be a human being? Like, how can you just be who you are authentically while you're going to work, while you're on the subway, while you're whatever you're doing and really be present in that moment and know that like every single person that you can come in contact with may also like get like just us, like we, you know, like the simple as this, where it's like, this could really be a connection that I am looking for and like have been my you know, heart and soul has been longing for a friendship like this or partner like, and they could be just a person sitting on the subway, but because you're pissed off that you have to go to work and you're on your phone, you know, like you're missing it. You know, it's like life is happening around us at all the times. And I really just think it's cool to like, as you ground into your body and start showing up, you know, presently to yourself and taking care of your needs, you really start experiencing life. At least that's been how it's been for me. I've started to experience life. Totally. And that kind of leads me into something that I ask everybody, which is like, what are kind of those like daily habits and things like that, that you found work for you, maybe things that you find really work for other clients and stuff like that, that help them to kind of tap more into living intentionally and and being a human being instead of a a human doing. Yeah. Um, Let me think of like one I mean, I feel like I'm like, I guess the biggest thing is knowing that like, um, I'm just 
telling everyone in my clients that come into my spheres, like I'm teaching them how to know that like we can release this toxic belief that everyone knows better for us than us. And whether that's like diet culture, whether that's your partner, whether that's your mom, like whatever it is, whether that's your mind saying like, I, you have to eat this way, even though you know that you're like, I'm starving and I can't wait. I can't wait to to eat for the first time today till 11 o'clock. Like I have to eat something now. It's releasing that like your body, you know, what's best for you. And so it's really like developing that habit of checking in like, like you're your best friend and really like, you know, knowing that like the more you check in with your body, the more you call your best friend and the more you take her advice, the more she'll want to hang out with you. The more she'll respond, the more she'll call, the more you'll be like, oh yeah, you know, you're developing a trust with your body again. And so, you know, it's okay that she's not talking to you yet. Like my body didn't talk to me for a while and I had to like keep showing up and there'd be days where I didn't show up to her, you know, and that's, that's life. It's a series of both ands. We can do it all, but it, it will happen simultaneously. And just making a conscious intention that you're like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to, you know, even if it's like, even if you put on the calendar, you know, Thursday nights, I review my log, you know, and then you're like, even if it's like, oh shit, I didn't check in. Cool. <laughs> At least you checked in Thursday to realize that you didn't check in. Now you can start checking in. And then, and all that to build that, like, you know, it's best for you. You just have to you have to get back there or you have to, you know, start realizing that you can develop things to get you back there. Yeah. I love that. I love the analogy of the checking in with the front thing. I think it's that whole thing was so amazing. And I feel like you kind of also answered the other last question that I always ask, which is what's one toxic thing that you've released. I feel like that was wrapped up in the habits question, but I guess if there's anything else that you feel like you want to share on that topic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely have gone through, I definitely have been doing that myself, that that habit. But um, I feel like, I mean, most recently, the one thing that I've recently released alcohol, and I, I know you you recently did too. Um, our journeys are so parallel. But mm-hmm. so yeah, and I, and I think it was like, for me, like, I didn't really have like an issue with it. I, I would drink like one Manhattan a week or whatever, like, that's kind of just how it was. Um, I've always been kind of sensitive to alcohol, like alcoholism is in my family. So I've always seen the negative side effects of alcohol. Um, and then being a dietitian and seeing really what it does to our bodies was when I was like, it, it, I guess it was kind of out of that other habit, like, because I've developed that, like, is this true? Is this right for me? I started to question, like, is resveratrol really good for you? (laughs) Like who's really funding these studies? Like things like that. I just started to, you know, I took your sun gate and started to get, you know, inquiry with it. And Mm -hmm. I just was getting like curious about it because I felt like, I I don't know, you know, I don't know if this is true for me. And I really wanted to just see what was it like if I did give it up and how, how would I react? Because I'm like, we have this like conditioning with alcohol where we're like, we're under the control of it. Um, and I, you know, really living with like, what feels right for you, you have to like, you have to question the control. Like, that's just kind of the the thing of it. And so that's kind of what I did. And honestly, I'm like, I've been, I'm really proud. Like it's been six months. I'm really proud. I've been to parties where everyone else is drinking and I'm like, now I'm making my own shrubs. Like you can, I'll share them on my Instagram stories, but like, it's really fun. 
because you can make, you can have a drink at any time of the day, you know, and like you, you can make it a mocktail and like, instead of waiting for the five o'clock or six o'clock drink, like you can make that at any time of the day and have that experience without like numbing or losing the control. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's interesting because when you were kind of talking to about, we were talking about the media and everything is related to body image. I actually did like this course that basically helps you kind of untangle all of your thoughts around alcohol. And it's kind of similar to to trying to untangle all the body image things Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And a big part of it is the media. I mean, we're constantly fed information about alcohol makes things fun. It makes you sexy. It makes you this, it makes you that. I mean, you're, we're surrounded by that. It's normal to drink alcohol and that it's lame if you don't or whatever, all of those things are. So I have been kind of trying to parallel the body image thing with that in my mind. Cause I am that way with alcohol. Now I haven't completely given it up. I I'm still a little bit in my party girl phase, but I'm kind of like, I just drink to like go out with my friends, like once every other month kind of thing, yeah. but yeah. I'm not drinking at home. I'm not drinking at dinner. I'm never drinking again for a numbing purpose. So, and I was someone who drank every night, like I drank too much glass of wine every day kind of situation. So anyway, not to go really deep into that, but it is very parallel to, you know, this story that we're just, we're fed and the media perpetuates because they're trying to sell us something. And when we can kind of like step back from it and, and question it, we can really kind of untangle all of those beliefs and that perspective that really drove us. So yeah. I love that you shared that too. Yeah. It all comes down to like empowerment. Like, even if you're like, like, I think it's fine. Like if you it's, I'm not saying, I don't know if I'll ever drink again. Like, I'm not saying it's forever. I just, I think I needed to see that. I'm like, I needed to see that I can do this. And I did it without anybody. Like my husband's not doing it. Like I, I did it for me solely. And I think it really helped me kind of just come into my own authority of like, I can make my own decisions. I can do what's right. And I can get questioned. I can get asked and like, that's okay. And then if I choose, or I'm like, if I choose that later, I'm like, you know what? I want to just, I want to have this with wherever, with my mom, with whatever it is. Like, I think as long as you feel confident with it and you're empowered with it, like that's the only thing that matters. Totally, totally agree. Well, I I mean, this conversation was so good. I feel like we'll definitely do, I'm sure we're going to have so many questions. We can do a part two at some point, but thank you so much. This was so helpful. I know I have a lot to think about and I would love for you to just share how people connect, connect with you, follow you, work with you, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, you can follow me at the, at somatic dietitian on Instagram. Um, I have a podcast, but that's probably the easiest. Just come over to Instagram. Um, I also am sharing a like exclusive body image training and workbook for your audience. So um, Nicole, I'll share that link with you and then you can put it in the show notes. But I really wanted to kind of give you something that you can share so that as, as we kind of were talking and diving into this, and if you're wondering like, how do I go into this? It prompts you through some questions and reflection. And then um, working with me, I work one-on-one right now with all my clients to really, I love to wrap my arms around people. And I know that this journey can be hard and we're getting into some things and really um, working through deconditioning beliefs. So if you're interested in doing that, um, you can grab that link through my Instagram or I can share it here with Nicole. You can put it in the description, whatever you prefer, but. Perfect. Yeah, we can put it in the show notes so that it's easy for everyone to access. And I so appreciate that. That's so exciting. Cause again, 
it's, we all listen to so many podcasts and we're like, oh, that's interesting. I could use that. And then we just go about our day. So actually being able to implement it more, ask ourselves those questions. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you sharing that with the, yeah. the audience. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. I know how it is where I'm like, I, you know, I say I want to do something, but I need the action, you know, like the action is where it happens day in and day out. So and if, if you or if anyone has any questions, like I am an open book. So shoot me a message in the DMs and I'm happy to kind of share my perspective of maybe that question or my how I overcame things. I'm happy to help. And I'm so grateful that you invited me on your podcast. Like This has been so fun to just conversate and see how parallel we are and how, you know, we can expand each other. It's been, it's been fun. Totally agree. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as I did. There was so much great info in here. And honestly, I took so much away from it. And it really helped me in so many ways too. Like, I think we can be, I can be (laughs) a perfectionist about anything. And sometimes, you know, we can just decide that for me to be accepting of my body, I need to you know, be perfectly accepting of my body. And it means that I can't ever wish that I looked a little bit different than I do or that I could wear something different than I could wear or whatever it may be. And and I think what Kim was talking about with the butt and thing is just so helpful in terms of, you know, you can love your body and you can know that a body con dress isn't perfect for you, yet you can still kind of wish it was. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. So I mean, that's just one of the many things that I took away from it. But now I'd love to recap the key takeaways for you. Honestly, there were so many, but these were the ones that I wanted to share that really stood out to me. So number one, body image issues are typically learned at a young age. Examine where those beliefs came from and you can reparent your inner child and tell them what you needed to hear in that moment to feel accepted exactly as you are. Number two, remember that the media and diet culture are fear-based and are in the business of making you think you're not good enough and you need to spend money to fix it. And once you look at things through this lens, it is so much easier to see how untrue and honestly ridiculous the messaging is. Number three, kind of what I was just talking about before about body acceptance is this both and. You can accept your body, but not want to wear a body con dress, yet still wish you could. Number four, intuitive eating will have a honeymoon phase where you overindulge but your body will kick in and you'll ultimately make your food choices from a place of feeling good in your body rather than from your mind. Number five, bring curiosity to your food beliefs. Where did they come from? And most importantly, are they really true? And again, this art, is it really true? Really just applying this to so many things in our lives, including body image stuff. Number six, remove the shame from overindulging and get curious as to what led you there. Then trace it back and make a plan for next time. Number seven, when we're triggered, we can make food decisions from our mind rather than our body. When you're feeling triggered and your nervous system is activated, just take a pause. Use a different coping mechanism like box breathing, venting to a friend, screaming into a pillow. And at that point, after that, check in to see if you still want to eat that thing and then honor the way you feel in that moment. Number eight, somatics is a mind-body connection. And in order to establish that we need to In order to establish that, we need to check in with ourselves. So start thinking of your body and your emotions like a best friend that you check in with often. Number nine, gene keys are an amazing modality that use our birth information to understand who we are at a genetic level. This insight takes us out of the victim state and allows us to embrace who we truly are and experience life as we're meant to. 
And number 10, you are your own authority. Nobody knows your body better than you. And the more you check in with her and build that trust, the more she'll talk to you. So again, this one was so good. If you have any questions about this, I would be happy to share them with Kim. I also, the Gene Keys, she totally got me into them and I've been diving deep and they're such an amazing partner to human design. So I'm beginning to incorporate them with how I help people as well. And I mean, just can't be any more thankful for how great this conversation was. And I hope that you feel the same. If you do, I would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to me on Instagram at the.detox.diaries. And of course, leaving a rating and review for the show is an amazing way for people to find the podcast. So thank you again for being here and I will see you on the next one. Bye.